Hi, and welcome to Recovered, a podcast from the Magdalene House, a recovery community for alcoholic women. We are a 501c3 nonprofit organization based in Dallas, Texas, and known by many as Maggie's. My name is Stephanie, and I am a recovered alcoholic on staff at the Magdalene House. Each week, I have the pleasure of conducting a live interview with an alcoholic woman in recovery for the participants who are currently in our Next Step program. Whether you're in recovery yourself, contemplating giving it a try, or just supporting someone who is, we are so glad you're here. Thanks for listening. All right. Welcome, everyone, to Interview with the Recovered Drunk. So, Sandra, I like to think of these as God-guided conversations because I don't really know what's going to be talked about. Now, I am nervous this time, which is odd, but um, I think I'm most nervous because most people that come on, I do know a little bit of their story. So I always have like things that I want to hit on. And all I know about you, Sandra, is how wonderful you are. And so I'm so grateful to have you on. I just think that like your spirit just radiate, like you radiate this online of the spirit. Um, and I feel like you can really feel that, uh, through the screen. Um, and so I'm just super excited and grateful that we have the opportunity to get to know you better and have this conversation and, and see where it goes from here. So the first question that I want to ask you is just to give us a little bit of background to qualify yourself and what led you to Alcoholics Anonymous. Hi, I'm Sandra. I'm a very grateful recovered alcoholic. My sobriety date is March 23rd, 2019. I did go to Maggie's. Um, I always drank from high school on. Uh, I didn't drink at home when I had kids, you know, I, I wanted to be the best mom I could be. And I didn't, I didn't want to drink, you know, while my, I have three daughters and, um, my husband and I didn't have wine or, I mean, we may have had some alcohol in the house, but we never just sat down and had cocktail hour or something, you know, we were always busy with the kids and, um, Then, uh, as the kids started leaving to go off to college, and especially when my youngest, who's now 31, left, um, I I started working, and uh, and still, I really, we'd go after work and have a drink, or I'd come home and have some drinks, and uh, really didn't think it was a problem, but Then I started noticing that, uh, especially, and I'll say especially in the last five years when I quit working, um, my cocktail hour started going from five o'clock to four o'clock to two o'clock to wine every day with lunch and, and into the morning. And, um, I started feeling very empty and just a big black hole. Once a a confident person that I felt had integrity, uh, I felt separated from God and everyone else. And I loved my higher power. I I loved God. Um, But something was separating me. And I mean, 
I would much rather sit here. I would cancel engagements. I'd sit here and drink by myself and I'm married. My husband would leave. And the bad thing was in the later years, I'd say the last three years of my alcoholism, I would uh, drink in the morning. I had a prescription for Ambien. So I'd take half an Ambien around one or two, I'd conk out for a couple of hours only to wake up so I could drink more and be refreshed when my husband came home and I could make dinner for him. And well, I wasn't really refreshed, you know, and I'd just start drinking again. Um, my family came to me, one daughter said, mom, you're not the same person you've changed. And my husband, he'd come home and he'd go, Sandra, have you been drinking? Oh no, I haven't been drinking. I haven't been drinking. Sandra, you're drunk. Oh, well, I've just had one glass of wine. You know, it, this disease is a thief and we become very deceptive and dishonest and just freaking fakes. Um, as it, I had consequences. Uh, one of the last consequences was, uh, should I talk about a consequence, Stephanie? Sure. Okay. I, my youngest daughter was in a wedding in Austin, so we drove down there and I was full-blown alcoholic, although, you know, my husband would say, you're an alcoholic, go get help, and I'd go, I am not an alcoholic. I'm not an alcoholic. Drinking wine all day and taking Ambien, I thought was just absolutely normal. You know how delusional our minds are. I mean, take, you're not even supposed to drink and take Ambien. Not only was I taking it in the middle of the day, then I'd wake up and drink again and take it at night to go back to sleep. You know, it was uh, just a cycle, but we went down to Austin. My daughter was uh, a bridesmaid in a wedding down there. And uh, before the wedding, my husband went with some guys to watch a football game on television. And I just ran to the store and got my wine and started drinking. And then I showered and I got ready and then we went to the wedding. And of course, when we got to the wedding, I went to the bar, had more wine. Then we went out to the garden for the wedding. They were serving wine. I had more wine. And I remember just sitting there going, am I really here? Am I really here? And I, uh, after the wedding, my daughter said, mom, you are drunk. You are drunk. And I said, you effing bitch. I am not drunk. You know how we deny it. We deny it. And um, I took an Uber, went to the hotel, decided I'll just show them, got my keys, was going to the car to get more wine and some cigarettes. And I was in the lobby and I, the lady in the lobby said, I just was talking to her and I just blacked out cold just flat, cold. They called an ambulance. They took me to Breckenridge Hospital. And I woke up like at one, two in the morning, not knowing where I was. I didn't remember anything, nothing. 
And what did I do on the next day? What did we all do? We drink again. So um, I went to a couple of AA meetings and at the foundation meeting, uh, a fellow named Sean led the meeting and he talked about the cycle and I went, well, that's me. And I felt, I felt good. I went, yeah, that's me. That's me. And I got my desire chip. And the woman who gave me the desire chip was this pretty blonde headed woman with these sparkly blue eyes. And she looked at me and she said, Sloan looks just, just like you. That's my oldest daughter. And Oh, I just felt so good. I felt so good. And I went to a couple more meetings. I sat next to a girl and she said, what was your drink of choice? I said, wine, Chardonnay. I love Chardonnay. And she said, well, I would drink a whole bottle of gin. So I went, you know, I'm not an alcoholic. I don't drink a whole bottle of gin. So a few more months went by, things got worse. And, um, I was, I had played tennis early. I came home. I was going to cook dinner for uh, some friend's birthday and I was going to marinate a steak. And I thought, oh, it's, I'm just going to have a little wine, you know. So then I got, went back to the steak. Oh, that tasted so good. I'm just going to have, you know, we say, oh, we're so hot. Oh, that tastes so good. Any excuse. Um, I took my Ambien nap. And I woke up, the steak still was not marinated. But when I woke up, I went, Sandra, this, this is not normal. This is not normal, you drinking all day long and taking Ambien. This, you, this isn't you, this isn't, what? You're just surviving barely, this isn't you. And I called my daughter's friend who is an alcoholic and I said, I'm an alcoholic and where should I go? And she said, go to Maggie's. So I called Maggie's and they said, uh, well, come on in. It's first come first serve. And I said, well, I can't come tonight. I'm having a dinner party. <laughs> I said, I'll come in the morning. And they said, well, it's first come first serve. And, uh, uh, the next morning I went to Maggie's and the wonderful thing is we, I put it on navigation to get to it. I thought it was clear out in heebie-jeebie land or something, you know, it's two miles from my house. So that was the first godsend. The second godsend was I walked in that door and I had a feeling of, I was nervous, but a feeling, yes, this is right. You are an alcoholic. This is right. And so anyway, then the next day was Sunday and, you know, the speaker meeting at 11 o'clock, someone, someone was introducing the chair and I saw this woman sitting over by the window in a chair and she had blonde hair and I said man that lady looks so familiar she looks so familiar and she got up and started talking 
and she mentioned uh, one of her sponsees, who's the friend who told me to go to Maggie's, and then it dawned, it just, it, I just cracked up. It was Lisa. She was the one who had given me my desire chip at that AA meeting. I just broke down because I knew I was supposed to be there. It wasn't a coincidence. It was a God incidence. And I went up to her and hugged her crying, crying, crying. And she said, I've been waiting for you for two years. And I'll tell y'all what the word I love more than anything that I never understood is the word grace. Because God did for me what I didn't, what I could not do for myself. I didn't think I could ever quit drinking. I was scared that I couldn't quit drinking. You know, I've been drinking every day for years and taking Ambien to go to sleep and it, just that vicious cycle. And another thing about Maggie's, I had no idea it was a disease, a disease of the mind and the body. So when I heard that and how they explained it, the allergy and the craving and the mental obsession, I was actually grateful. I was grateful because they said, you know what? There's a solution. All you have to do is take our hand. It's 12 steps across the street. Take our hand and, and follow these steps. And I was so exhausted from drinking. I, you know, you worry, do I have enough to get through the day? Oh, gosh, I'm too drunk to go get some more and I'm out. What am I going to do? Oh, where did I hide my glass? I don't even know where I had my glass. Oh, I've got to pick up the grandkids at school. Then I get them to my house. When can I take them home? I need a drink. I need a drink. It is exhausting. And then you get drunk and then you go, how can I quit drinking? How am I going to quit drinking? And then you get scared. I can never quit drinking. I've been doing this all my life. But by God's grace and Maggie's and the 12 steps in the book, big book, here I am almost 17 months sober <laughs> and having the best life I've ever dreamed of. I'm, I'm not selfish anymore. I'm, I'm not as self-seeking self as I was. I'm still working on that. I'm not dishonest. I love to serve. I love to serve for once in my life because I was given this free gift. You know, we go to Maggie's. Here I, I was going, it's free? What kind of place is this? You think they're going to get me well? You know? And here I went, and it is a miracle house. And um, I've told some of y'all before, I feel like I'm just riding along on top of a big cumulus cloud and 
just everything is vibrant and full and every once in a while there's a dark cloud or a some lightning that comes down but you know i pray i talk to my sponsor and i turn around 180 and take action and uh it just blows away just blows away so uh i'm forever grateful and um i love all of you girls and i'm when i was there they didn't have the next step and i think it is the most fabulous program to to stay accountable and to keep working keep reading keep and you learn to serve and you learn about god's grace so that's all i had to say stephanie oh thank you that was so good uh, so for the participants um now is whenever we just open it up for questioning. You can ask anything you would like. If you don't have questions, I will ask questions, but feel free to speak up at any time. Does anybody have a question right now? Okay. All right. Well, there was three questions that I had in mind. Uh, here I was thinking I wouldn't have anything to ask. <laughs> now I just don't know which one to ask first. Okay, so one of the things that I hear you say a lot is that I don't have to run the show no more. Um, and so what I would love for you to speak on is what running the show looks like and how you let God be the one to do that today. Well, running the show is about being self-reliant and not God-reliant. I'll just give you an example that I tell my sponsees. I'll tell you what really hit me in the program was on page, uh, well now when I have to find it, it's about, oh, here it is. No, hold on just a second. This is it. On page 62. At the very bottom, it says, this is the how and why of it. First of all, we had to quit playing God. Next, we decided that hereafter in this drama of life, God was going to be our director. He is the principal, we are his agents. He is the father and we are his children. Most good ideas are simple and this concept was the keystone of the new and triumph triumphant arc through arch through which we passed to freedom so you know i loved god my higher power the god i believe in i just have to tell you another quick story when i was in my 30s i was i always went to church you know we were made to go to church and stuff and i was kind of skeptical about god you know you go how can god kind of know what all is going on and why, how can he be concerned with me when he has all these other people? And, you know, I knew there was a higher power, but I just didn't quite put all of my faith in that higher power. And um, in my 30s, I have some friends. We grew up in Mississippi. We're called the Hoes. And we go every year to the beach. And there's one of them I've known since kindergarten, but the hoes uh, were down at the beach. It was our last night there. It was right at dusk. 
and we were having fun. We were drinking tequila, drinking margaritas. And at this time, I wasn't drinking alcoholically. I could put it down. You know, it wasn't a vicious cycle. Um, and, but we, but I could drink, I could drink. So we were on the raft and I had bought these expensive sunglasses, these Neiman Marcus sunglasses. And I took them to the optical shop and had them put in my prescription because I'm blind. So anyway, and I had spent, spent a buttload of money on those sunglasses, which, you know, I didn't have the money to pay for them. So, of course, I charged them, which we alcoholics are undisciplined. And, you know, I always bought things before I could pay for them. Thank goodness that has changed, kind of. But anyway, so uh, we flipped. My sunglasses went into the water. I, we couldn't find them, you know, couldn't find the sunglasses. And one of my buddies, Mary, who's always had the faith of Job, we went up to the beach house and she said, San, let's just go out and say a prayer. And I said, okay. And um, she didn't really pray, Lord, help Sandra find her sunglasses. She basically prayed that I not put such significance on worldly things and to rely more on God and um, that I became a little more disciplined and had a little more self-control. <laughs> so anyway, we went to bed and I always would wake up early and walk on the beach and I was kind of sad that morning because it was, we were all saying goodbye and I was having to go home to babies and responsibility and it was early in the morning I mean I could just barely see a little light on the horizon in the east where the sun was going to come up and so I was walking down the beach and I was sad and no one was on the beach no one no one and then I see this man walking towards me from the east going west and I'll never forget it he had on khaki pants and a white shirt. And as he got closer, I saw in his right hand that he was holding something. And then I saw he had my sunglasses. And I said, sir, did you find those sunglasses on the beach? And he said, yes, I did. And I said, well, they're mine. I lost them last night. And he handed them over to me. And something came over me, kind of like when I talk about alcoholism, the miracle. The miracle of grace. The miracle of trust. The miracle of faith, the miracle of a director, the miracle of me going, I am exhausted. I feel so desperate and alone. I don't want to run the show no more. And giving 
him that entitlement, you know, letting him run the show. But anyway, what I was going to say about this incident was that all of a sudden I knew that God was real, that there was a God, that he was looking at Sandra Williams Looney. You know, he and all of you all, each and every one of you. And my life changed, and I craved to learn about this God. I wanted to learn. I wanted to be like him. But then somewhere along the line, my self-will and me thinking, oh, the kids are gone. I can just party. And then when it went from magical, medicinal to misery, where I couldn't do anything, and I would sit out, y'all, and go, God, I feel so separated from you. What's wrong with me? I don't feel you like I did when I found my sunglasses. I don't feel you, I don't feel it. And he would say to me every time, you've got to quit drinking. And I went, oh, that's just my mind telling me that, you know? But he would, he'd say, he'd say, you have to quit drinking. <clears throat> and I go, oh God, can't do that. I am a funny girl when I drink. I will never be the same. Plus God, I'm just scared I can't quit. Can't you just put a chip in my brain? All these computer chips, can't you just slide one in and heal me? You're the great healer. Wave a magic wand. But see what I was doing, I was running the show. And not only that, what had happened, unbeknownst to me, and I didn't mean for it to happen, I had crossed the line and I was an alcoholic and my master had become alcohol. I didn't want that to happen. None of us want that to happen. But I'm so grateful <clears throat> now because I have a genuine purpose. And I let God run the show. When I feel anxious, you know, we get those feelings and we go, something's not right with me today. Something's just not right. Anxious or fear, or you get kind of angry at something and I had to put on the brakes and go, whoa, something isn't, something, I think I'm trying to run the show. I think I'm, I'm trying to be God today and I pray. And if an answer doesn't come, I call my sponsor and we talk about it. And, and if the answer still isn't there, even talking to her, I promise you in the next day or two, it is revealed to me. Either I've been self-seeking, I've been fearful, I've been inconsiderate, something. It, it just goes bing. And that's what happens when you keep working these steps. I don't know how I got into all this and you ask, you say, I, say, I do say, I don't run the show no more. And I don't. And it is, a, it's better. I, I and you, y'all know it. Y'all are there now. Y'all are feeling it. 
you're feeling how God takes you down the yellow brick road. But you can't stop. Every day, fall on your knees in the morning. Give your first 20 minutes, 15 minutes to God. Ask him, hold my hand. Take me through this day. Relieve me of the self-bondage. Help me help others. I love you. I want, you know, I want to be like you. I don't want to be that empty in the hospital girl anymore. I don't want to disappoint anymore by my selfishness. Although we didn't know we were selfish. You know, it's part of the disease. Did that kind of answer it? Yes. I get kind of preachy, and I don't mean to, but I'm reiterating to myself. You know, just these, I'm so grateful. I'm just so grateful. Yeah, no, I, I love it. Thank you so much. Do you all have a question? All right, cool. I'll get to my next question then. Um, so the other thing that I know about you, apparently I know lots about you, I just wasn't aware at the beginning, um, is that you sponsor a lot. Um, and you've sponsored from the beginning. Um, I was there whenever you were three months sober, I think, at Maggie's. Um, and you had just gotten your first sponsee or something. I remember you talking about that. Um, and so I would love for you to talk on the subject of um, sponsorship um, and how that has evolved for you over this last year. And if you have like, I don't know, just whatever you want to speak on with that subject. Okay. Well, I guess I was like two months sober and I went to a class that Lisa or someone had at Maggie's and it was about uh, sharing the message, you know. And so, and I was, I prayed about it. I prayed about it. And I, I mean, when they'd say, if you've had a spiritual awakening and you can sponsor, I'd raise my hand because I felt I had had a spiritual awakening, but I didn't know it meant to sponsor. <laughs> I mean, but anyway, uh, finally one day I heard that voice. You can raise your hand now. I said, are you sure it's not me telling me I'm ready? You know, just... And then after that meeting, someone came up to me and she said, um, would you be my sponsor? And I said, girl, <laughs> I'm real new at this, but we'll work through it together. You know, we'll, we'll work together. And um, the thing with sponsorship is, It's the most beautiful, it helps me probably more than it helps the girls I sponsor. You're sharing with them, you want them to have what you have so badly, that freedom, that joy, that free gift. You know, and just be honest with them. 
you know, go, well, I'm not quite sure what exactly that means. Let me call my sponsor and I'll get back with you. Don't be, you're just, you're just, when you sponsor, you just say, Brittany, I'm going to take your hand. It's 12 steps across the street. Just hold on to my hand. We're going to take them one at a time. The thing that happens sometimes is that the girls get out of the house. A lot of what happens a lot of times is they're worried about their external situations. I don't have a car. I don't have a job. Where am I going to live? I mean, those are things to be concerned about. But so many of those girls have just gone be my director. And God lays out that yellow brick road. If they can't afford rent one week at the sober living, somehow it appears. If they need detergent, somehow it appears. You know, it's not like they're just sitting there, not trying to find a job. You know, you can't do that. You have to take action. It's a constant, constant action program. I got off the subject. Anyway, sponsoring. Um, it's very upsetting. It was at first when I'd sponsor someone and then they would just fall off the map, so to speak, you know. And I heard Lisa one night when we were talking about working with others and she said, our job is not result-based. It is taking someone through the book. In other words, when it reflects on me, when I feel like it's a reflection of me, when someone relapses or doesn't call or something, that's like I'm playing God. You know, I'm thinking, oh, I didn't do enough. Oh, I should have done this. Oh, you know, if you are honest and you just take the girl through the book, just like your sponsor takes you through the book, Plus, you have some added stuff that you've learned, you know, and just be honest with them. And, uh, but I'm not a sponsee's mother. You know, I, it's, it's, your, it's our program. We're the ones who need to take the action and go. And if you want it badly enough, if you, just like when I found my sunglasses and I knew God was real. I craved to know more about him. Now I crave to share this miracle, you know, and if you really want it, you crave to get it. It's a new craving. It's a new, you don't crave alcohol anymore. You want this new power. It's incredible. But at first it really got to me and I thought, gosh, I'm doing a crappy job, you know? And, um, but
But the cool thing about it is that some of those people who hit the high road and were self-reliant are back in the program and I've seen miracles in them. It's not our job to be the mother. It's not our job to be a best friend. Our job is simply to take them through these spiritual tools that were given to us. It's not about results. You know, it's not about, oh, I have six sponsees that are not drinking. It's not that. You are giving back to them what you so graciously and freely received. And um, I love it, boy. I had a great fifth step with one of my sponsees yesterday and we both just sat there and cried because she's relapsed a couple times. And you know what, this time she knows she can't run the show no more. And uh, you know, in submission, there's victory. It's not being weak. Submission and saying, I can't do this. I can't do this anymore. I need a power greater than me <clears throat> to direct me. That's victory. That's victory. Awesome. Thank you. Anybody have a question? Oh, go ahead. Hey, Katie. Hi, Sandra. I'm so excited to be here and um, to well, be here. Kind of, I've seen you on birthday night, but we've never really <laughs> talked, I don't think. I know. This is so exciting. So I had a question because I know, I also know a little bit about you, even though we, <laughs> we don't know each other very well. But so you had said in the beginning about um, like an incident you had with your daughter where you guys, you know, she was like, you're drunk and you got into this argument. And, and I'm sure there are probably many of those. And I, if your family's anything like mine, they saw a lot of the chaos and the destruction. But something I, I know about you today is that your family is very supportive and loving and, and just thrilled at the way that you live your life today. And, you know, I've had some of your family members reach out to want to volunteer at the Magdalene house. And so I guess what I'm asking is how did you get to that place? Cause I always love hearing experience around rebuilding relationships with your kids and your family. Cause I think that's such an area of shame for all of us um, as women and just as alcoholics in general. So can you talk a little bit about how that worked out? Well, you know, <laughs> I am so grateful. When I was at Maggie's, my family came every day to see me. And, you know, before Maggie's, it wasn't a smooth ride. Whenever I was around family, there was always dishonesty or hiding or, or, you know, especially when they would call me a drunk. I mean, I remember one night coming home and they said, you're a drunk. And I took a plate off the wall and just threw it across the kitchen. 
I am not a drunk. Don't you call me a drunk, you know? Like I said, Katie, you know, my alcoholism kicked in probably 10 years ago when the two older ones were in college and, but they still saw it. I mean, we're a close family. They saw it. They, you know, they were, I'm sure embarrassed and hurt and shameful. And um, I will tell you now, there is never a crossword amongst us anymore. It is, and they were so proud of me. You know, they, but it was, they're so happy that they have their mama back. And it's just, like I said, just running smoothly. And I'm, you know, I made amends to them and, you know, none of them said, well, how are you dishonest or how are you self seeking? They just went, mom, we're just so glad you're the person we knew, you know, excuse me. I'm just so grateful, you know, a lot of families now, a lot of families, it takes time and it's, and it's not the amends you say or the words you say, and it's not, I'm sorry. And it, it's your actions because you have become a new person, you know, you have become loving and tolerant and kindly and patient toward all. And um, people see that. And you know what? They want that. They want that that you have. They want that sunshine of the spirit. So if any of y'all have family members that still are on the edge, that it's going to take time for trust. And it's gonna take time to uh, rebuild this foundation that we destroyed because we're a self-will run riot. You know, we're a tornado going through the house. But, uh, you know, it just takes letting God be the director and letting your loved ones See how you're changing, how you're reborn. Just wanting to be the best person God wants you to be. I want to be like him. You know, I don't, and, and I can still be kind of, I mean, I don't care if I, forgive me, Lord, if I'm offending you, but I cuss some. I smoke a cigarette every morning. You know, I'm not this goody, goody two-shoes that, that I thought I had to be before. You know, that was just a fake. I have such a personal relationship with him now. I mean, he's my friend. Not only is he my director, he's my best friend. Now, see, I got off on my preaching again, but... um. So you know Sloan and Kate and Cece, Katie? 
Sloan. I know Sloan, but I've heard of Kate and Cece. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they are big supporters of Maggie, so now I've got to hit them up to buy a drink. I mean, a, not a drink, a brick. <laughs> a brick. <laughs> One of their best friends, when she was 26 years old, died of alcoholism. They saw what happened to her, and then here their mother was going down the same hole, you know, and um, I need, I, they're in Colorado right now, but I want them to buy a brick for their buddy, Sarah, and um, they're amazing, and I pray, you know, we're a party family. I mean, <laughs> they like to do their share of drinking, and, uh, but they know, you know, if they cross the line, it's, it's, put it, you know, it's, the life is so much better without it. Life, it's not the alcohol. You know, you, the, it's alcoholism. Alcohol isn't the problem. It's the ism. And that stands for I, self, and me. Me, I had a problem, not the alcohol. And getting rid of getting rid of all of that crap and trying to keep it clean, my channel clean, it's like a colonoscopy. You know, I just want to see that clean picture. I want to have that clean channel where I'm walking on sunshine, you know? Did I answer your question? Okay. I love that I, uh, self and me, I've never heard that before. Um, well, you know, you drink that shit and it, it cleans you out. And that's what our inventories do to us. We write down, we have to go through pain and drink, the, drink that up. And then, then you do your fifth step and out comes this clean, we, you know, I get a colonoscopy and it's a picture of your intestines and it is clean. There's nothing, it's like, you know those games where you put a marble in the round things and they go round and round? That's what your intestines look like and there's nothing in there. It's clean, it's white as snow. It's so cool, so that's what, happens when we do that fifth step. The thing is we've got to keep doing 10-stepping every day to keep that shit out. <laughs> to be frank. Anyway, I uh, said my shit word for the day. Awesome. Thank you. Um, I also wanted to um, touch on too, just that I loved how whenever um, you started sponsoring, how you said, we'll work through this together, because it really talks to the shoulder to shoulder aspect of the program, you know? Yeah. Um, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a teacher. I mean, I don't have a degree. All I can give back to the sponsees is what I've learned, because I want them to have what I have. I want them to have that freedom, joy, and peace that I have. It's so good. Yeah. As y'all know. 
Ariel, do you have a question? I did have one. Um, you talked about how it, you were drinking because it had helped make you feel funny and all of that. And right now I'm new to sobriety. So I have to put a lot of trust in God that those things will come to me. But I've never had things like that in life with like having a personality per se. I think I've just been drunk my whole life, it seems like. But um, trying to even like leave my house to go to meetings and like form some sort of fellowship sober and like develop a personality and develop like some sort of social skills sober. Like how did you, what conversations did you have with God to help guide that? Well, I just, every morning, Ariel, I just get up and I first, I say the serenity prayer. I say the third step prayer. Then I say my version of the morning prayer, you know, and I just, and at first, Ariel, I didn't want to leave home. I mean, I made some sticks just like Maggie's. I drew my word out every day. I, I kind of reinvented, like Brittany Louder is doing at her house. You know, I kind of reinvented Maggie's at home. And then, but I did do, I went to you know, then we could go up to the house and then we could work the front desk and we could volunteer and, you know, which are things that are kind of hard to do now, you know, but my suggestion to you is to wake up in the morning, submit yourself to your higher power, say, take over, please take over. And, uh, Thy will, not my will. And then I know I slept a lot when I got out too. It, you know, I slept a lot. I was good to myself. Then when, you know, the time I really loved to drink was like four or five o'clock. I got Topo Chico and put some lime and mint and stuff and some kind of bubbly drinks that kind of give you that sensation, you know, that you kind of miss. And, um, and I just started, I just took action. And it's hard for you to take action because I don't know if any meetings right now that are open, there may be some, but my suggestion to you is to go to Maggie's meetings. Do you have a home group? No, I'm actually going to my first meeting tonight to see if it would be a good fit in McKinney um, because what? I kept trying to make Maggie's my home group and my sponsor is like, you can't do that. That's not AA. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, oh, that's trying to find something else. Yeah. That's cool. Not to replace it with, but supplement it with. So y'all can go a uh, face-to-face meeting. So um, my home groups in Dallas don't. Um, so I stopped going I guess I could probably have done the zoom but I really wanted to try and find something face to face and I found some in McKinney so I'll try it out tonight and see it's actually outside I don't know that they're allowed to be inside but at least I will see people and I got five Maggie's girls to come with me I may go with you sometime let me know how it goes and yeah I actually like told girls in next step about it and like five are coming like confirmed and texted me I was like wow I didn't think well, this see, would <laughs> you've already created your fellowship right there 
you know? I'm just so nervous. I'm like, oh gosh, I'm going to see people. Like I haven't seen, I probably haven't hung out with anyone since I've gotten out of the house over a month ago. It's well, just, just trying to take that first step. Even though I know it's going to be helpful. I'm just like, what will I say? <laughs> How just, will I talk? just when you get there, you know, just look for the newcomer. You know, someone that you can say, hey, uh, I'm Ariel and uh, you need any help, although you don't know what you're doing. <laughs> I mean, you, I am there. you haven't been there yet. You haven't been there yet, but just be, look, you know, just be kind and tolerant. And you know what's so beautiful is that we all have the solution. We can... I can talk to y'all better than I can talk to friends I've known since kindergarten. You know, we, we get each other. We get it. And we are honest and we can say I ended up in the emergency room and, you know, and you don't look at me like, Ooh, you know, there's no judgment. And AA is truly about fellowship and about the same solution, you know? So just go and stroll in. And if you have buddies going there, that's even better. But let us know about it and come to happy hours some night. We have happy hours on uh, Monday, Wednesday, and Saturday at five o'clock. And we just kind of shoot the shit. And, but sometimes it gets really deep. Sometimes it gets really crazy. You know, it doesn't get overboard crazy, but you know, it's not studying the big book, but we meet people that maybe have a need, you know, and we go, hey, we're here. Give me your number. We'll bring some detergent over, you know, to get out of yourself. You don't, when you're sitting on your bed and something's bothering you and you sit there and you go, then I, that, that you're trying to run the show. You pray, you call your sponsor and you go do something for someone else. Run a bag of candy up to Maggie's one day. You won't, I can't tell you how good that feels just to run a bag of candy up to the Magdalene house. You know, just, uh, I think that's so super you're going to that meeting tonight. And I really want to hear about it. I may drive up there myself. I'm ready to get out of here. You can. Uh, Kristen, she's my uh, next step buddy this week. She and I held ourselves accountable to show up tomorrow for the um, happy hour. So you'll see us there at least. Oh, cool. I love Kristen. <laughs> Y'all hold on to each other. Hold on. Anyway... That's so good, Ariel. I can't wait to hear about it. I'm so sorry. Yeah, Ariel, I mean it. Post something or I'm going to put my number on chat. I really would like to hear what, what, ha, how you thought about it, what, what you thought about it if, it, if you studied the big book or, you know. Report. I'll give you a little update on what happened because I'm curious too. I've never been. Okay, I've been to AA meetings, but not that one. And honestly, I haven't been to an AA meeting since the pandemic. So this will be interesting. Well, I haven't. Well, I've been to Zoom, but uh, I'm really, let us know, would you please? 
Okay. We have, it is the top of the hour. So I have to ask our final question, which is if you could leave us with one takeaway um, for us here and anyone else who's going to listen to this, um, what would that one takeaway be? Like if you don't hear anything I say, hear this. What would you want us to do? not let get external things or worldly things or in the way of your recovery. Just trust, follow those steps. None of that's important. None of it is important. Your recovery and your restoration is the most important and I promise you if you follow these steps and not let that outside stuff get in the way you will see the yellow brick road things doors will open right and left for you I promise and that's God's promise too awesome thank you so much Sandra Thanks, Thanks, Andrea. Thanks, Katie. This podcast is from the Magdalene House, a recovery community for alcoholic women. We are a nonprofit organization located in Dallas, Texas, and we provide comprehensive recovery services to alcoholic women at absolutely no cost. You can learn more and support our mission at magdalenehouse.org.